Hey everyone, how are you doing? I hope that October has treated you well so far. Here we've had some really beautiful weather with a lot of sun. But I thought today, let's get ready for winter and take a trip north. Let's start off with this map here by Mercator. It's from the 16th century, so I think from uh, 1569. And this part here might look not quite familiar, but I'm sure this one is immediately recognizable to you. We have Britain with Scotland and Anglia, as it says. Cornwall and Wales. We have Ireland here. There's the Danish coastline. Here we will get to Brittany. And here we are in the Baltic Sea. I don't know if the uh, coastline is completely accurate, but it looks very detailed. And we know that some of the coastlines actually are really, really well drawn. But the part I'd like to look at with you lies in the ocean. So we have Scotland here, we have the Hebrides here. We have the Shetland Islands, and here you can see Isis Orkney. We have the Faroe Islands here, and then I think this here should be Iceland, but it says Thule, which is a bit of an odd name. in use sometimes if you are very interested in military operations you might have heard it but on maps it doesn't really turn up so this is a bit odd it also says Friesland here and uh, Greenland up there is a Greenland so I'm a bit um, confused by the succession of islands here but either way, I know there isn't an island called Thule, so that wasn't always so clear. Thule, in fact, is the name of an island that a Greek astronomer and geographer wrote about. He said he'd been there, though so unfortunately his books have not survived and no one for quite a long time could figure out what island exactly he meant. Let's go all the way back to the start. So, in antiquity, people already had quite a good idea of their surroundings. Obviously, the Mediterranean 
was very very well known the Phoenicians had sailed around the coastlines for centuries the islands were well mapped people knew how to get around and you might remember from the video about the Celtic history that back when we had large Celtic settlements here in Central Europe they had trade routes to the north to Brittany and Cornwall and they also traded amber from the Baltic Sea so they probably used rivers to go north to south or they followed the coastline here around Spain and Portugal and one of the Greek colonies was well here where you have Marseille today back then it was called Massalia it was a Greek colony and one of its geographers and astronomers was called Pythias he lived in the 4th century BC and the book he wrote was called On the Ocean as I said unfortunately we don't have any copies of it So, what he did was he followed the Iberic Peninsula north to Brittany and then set across to Cornwall probably because he was interested in the tin trade he wanted to know where the tin came from and then he continued north he writes of Britain as an island with a circumference of 23,800 stadia however we don't know for certain whether that's actually um, his numbers that he wrote down or whether he wrote how long it takes to sail around Britain and then other people uh, translated that into numbers so you know there's some uncertainty there and then he also said he continued onwards or a journey of six days he traveled north and he came to the island of Thule now you can probably tell that the north here isn't very well documented we have um, Britain with a strangely distorted Scotland we have Ireland but we don't have any islands to the north and while we can see Denmark here we can't see anything of Scandinavia the ancient Greeks from what I understand did know about Scandinavia they thought about it um, as being an island Scandia I think they called it but you can see that it's missing here um, and if you're looking at the map as a whole you might wonder this doesn't look Greek exactly with these uh, heads here around blowing the winds across the earth this is uh, in fact an ancient map but it is a, a reprint so to say from the late middle ages uh, here it says from a 15th century manuscript 
because of course many of the old manuscripts got lost. Now before we continue with our questions about the European North here, let's have a quick look around. We can see that a lot of the rivers are marked in. Also this I guess would be the Alps and the Apennine with the Pyrenees here. At least that's my guess. We can see here, uh, which would be modern-day Turkey. We have, I think this would be the Black Sea. We have <laughs> the Red Sea in vibrant red. The Arabian Peninsula. And I think this would be the Persian Gulf. And then to the far east, the map kind of trails off and then connects through the south with um, Africa. So that is an interesting theory. My guess is that if your reference was the Mediterranean, it would make sense to assume that the Indian Ocean too um, sort of was laid out in a similar way with land going all the way around it. And of course it took a long time until people found out, at least here in this area, that that wasn't the case. Let's have a look at this question of where Seoul is. So like I said, we have Massalia here, which today would be Marseille. And on this map we have three different theories. One by Nansen, one by Bojan Stefansson and one by Mary. Now they all agree that somehow Pythias made his way to Britain. Nansen, Brosch and Stefansson agree that he went around Spain and Portugal. That he probably kept close to the coast, which is what the Phoenicians did. Um, and it makes sense to assume that he would use a similar sailing technique, probably. And Mary suggests he might have taken the route along the Loire through the French heartland and around Brittany and towards Cornwall. Now, Nansen, Brosch and Stefansson suggest that he continued his way around Scotland and England. Was maybe such as something very different, but we're going to get to that in a moment. So the first theory that we've had is that Thule is Iceland. You would take us past the Orkney Islands on the first day, to the Shetney Islands on the second day. On the fourth day you would pass the Faroe Islands and then on the um, sixth day you would get to Iceland. 
Now, it also says that they would be so far north that uh, between the 5th and 6th that he wouldn't have to stop at night because it would be so light. Pythias was here in the north during summer. He mentioned that the day was 18 hours long here in the north, 18 or 19 hours respectively. So he got to Iceland, let's assume, and he says he then took one more uh, day trip and it took him to a very strange area, to the congealed sea, as it's described here. There was no longer any distinction of land or sea or air, but a mixture of the three like a sea lung. This mixture can neither be traversed on foot nor by boat. So he probably got close to the pack ice. Um, when the open sea meets the pack ice, it gets kind of mushy um, and it's very difficult to pass through. We can get an idea of what that looks like here in this picture. Again, it says, Pythias is said to have found a congealed sea one day's journey north of Thu. Um, so, again, I mentioned this is according to a different author because the original text did not survive. But it says, this description fits the slush ice area at the edge of the pack as well, particularly if one imagines the dense fog that usually hangs over the area. So quite an eerie landscape. Now, the question is, was this possible? We know that boats existed that could make the journey and it was probably doable in six days exactly. Um, however, we don't know that Iceland was inhabited at the time. And Pythias does say that people lived there, different tribes, that they made meat from honey, that they had uh, wheat that they threshed inside of barns. There was plentiful rain, but a scarcity of sunlight. From what we know, Iceland was inhabited much later, and the route here would have been at least somewhat unsure because you couldn't sea across to Iceland, so you would have to know where you're going. However, for a long time, um, it was sort of established that Thu would have been Iceland. Now, another theory, this one now is by Nansen, says that yes, he did pass the Orkney Islands, he did pass the Shetland Islands, but then didn't go north to Iceland, but rather towards Norway and came to an island here. Now you might think, okay, but Norway very clearly isn't an island, right? However, at the time, people didn't know that they had no idea of Norway. Um, all of Scandinavia was a bit of a mystery. We can see that eventually it got added here in the north. It's a somewhat mysterious area that was maybe an island, maybe not. 
but at the time they definitely didn't know that it was connected to Europe. In fact, um, Pythias would have had to either go all the way around to see that he came back to Europe here, or to the south and travel through the Baltic Sea to figure out, oh yeah, he could go by land from here. So it would make sense. We also know that this area was inhabited. However, one problem with the theory is that you can see here in the north, the pack ice is much further to the north and would not have been reached by a one-day journey. So it's not unlikely, but, you know, there's one point that doesn't speak in favor of this theory, just like there was one with this theory. Now, there's one more recent theory, and uh, Mary is actually, this is quite interesting, the person who wrote the foreword to this volume, Lena de Mary, who was president of the Republic of Estonia from 1992 to 2001. So, he clearly knows the North, however, he might have also had a certain interest in the theory he proposed because he said the island of Thule is actually near Estonia an island called Sarinma now it's not completely out of the question that this is true let's say that Pythias didn't start off his journey from the northernmost part of Scotland but rather from Cornwall that he crossed the channel, then followed the coast here, either went around um, Denmark or crossed the Byland, and then crossed the Baltic Sea. All the way to this part here. Now, this area definitely was inhabited, so that fits. If he went a little further north, he would get to see pack ice because this area does uh, freeze in winter. He is not quite as far north as you can see, though maybe far enough. We can't say for sure without the original text. And there's uh, one other interesting coincidence. The one line that survives from Pythia's original text is that the barbarians showed him where the sun goes to rest. Now, most people interpret that as um, the midnight sun in Iceland or here in Norway. But here on this island near Estonia, we know there's a crater from a meteorite that came down sometime in the first millennia BC. So, this is literally where a bright fireball um, went to rest. We know that there was darkness after the impact. Um, some of the information survives in folklore in the area. And interestingly, one of the areas here in the finno ugric language, which is spoken in the area, um, the island is called Tuli, which means fire. 
so there's a connection however again it's difficult to say if this was true as we just don't have a lot of information back from the day but it's an interesting theory for many years Ultimafu then was used as an expression to say the furthest area in the north it was used in Latin through the middle ages here you can see some of the boats that might have been used then either with or without sail again difficult to say we have the Pakai's area and there's one more map I'd like to show you this again is from the Middle Ages but from a different part of the world now this is a Mappemundi, so a world map by Ali Idrisi who visited the Norman king in Palermo in Sicily and drew a map based on some of the information that he got there there was a lot of geographical knowledge in the Arabic world at the time so there's some interesting parts here um, for us or if you're uh, like me and you're used to seeing maps with north on top this is going to look a little bit weird but if we turn the thing around I'm sure you'll notice immediately what we're looking at This is clearly the Arabian Peninsula with the Red Sea and the Persian Gulf and here we have the Mediterranean we have uh, Greece we have the Adriatic Sea Italy not quite boot shaped but close enough Spain and Portugal we have Brittany we have some islands here in the north uh, somewhat difficult to say which one would be um, Britain, which one would be um, Ireland but we do have some islands and interestingly we have this part here which reasonably could be assumed to be Scandinavia and this time Scandinavia is clearly not an island connected to the continent and the other interesting thing that we saw on the other map earlier is that Asia and Africa are not connected on this map we have the same interesting fact that Africa to the south of the Sahara is uh, apparently very unknown but at least here in this area we have some corrections so quite a beautiful map beautifully drawn with a gorgeous shade of blue and an interesting perspective on the world 
than you think. So it took a long time before European maps added Scandinavia to And Britain still with that strange distortion to Scotland, Ireland, but here Iceland with who is missing. And the search there in the north didn't really stop for a long time. either looking for mysterious islands that were not known or for the northwest passage that for a long time couldn't be found so there's quite a lot of really interesting information here in this book with some gorgeous old maps I'm gonna leave the description in the box down below so you can look up this book if you like it's definitely very very interesting and i think we're going to have a look at another chapter um sometime soon about the journeys of the vikings but for today i have to say thank you for watching i hope you enjoyed this video and you're ready for sleep now so until next week